If you want to monetize, you must create content that's not a commodity. Your looks is a commodity. You are easily replaceable. Find a format of content that is hard to commoditize. Ask yourself, what do I have access to that nobody else in the world has access to? I spent four years at Harvard. When I was in the corporate world, I realized nothing I learned in four years was applicable to my job interview or to my day-to-day -day work. I don't think institutions, educational institutions can move fast enough. It's done. Like that company has to go bankrupt. Like it's kind of like IBM or Yahoo or whatever, done. I think it will be replaced by many, many smaller companies, many, many smaller institutions, one person universities. Content creation is changing the world. It's decentralizing everything. Think about it this way, right? Before the industrial era, right? Think about how localized services were. When you wanted food, you go to your local farmer. When you wanted, I don't know, you wanted a sword, you go to your blacksmith. You wanted your shoes done, go to a shoe repair guy. Everything was decentralized. Then came the industrial era and the building of mega companies making billions and billions and billions of dollars. Also kind of supported the lack and inequity in terms of the distribution of wealth, kind of a skewed distribution of wealth that it also promoted in a way. But things are changing now. It's now pe the people are getting their power back. We see it with Rihanna becoming a billionaire, Kylie Jenner becoming a billionaire. And we're seeing it with all these creators on social media, everyone having access to their consumer. All I need to do to sell is to open an Instagram page, social media page, push out some social media uh, advertising. Advertising has never been cheaper than it's in, in, in history. It has never been cheaper. Okay, I, I, don't, I can't say in history, but advertising has never been this cheap. Facebook ads, you can start as low as $5 a day. If you wanted to meet, if you wanted to reach 1,000 people back in the day, you pay way more than that. Access, access. We have more access than we've ever had before. So there are a few videos that I've been, I you know, I saw on the internet, and I just wanted to react to them because they really talk about the creator economy, this buzzword of 2021 that everyone's talking about, the creator economy, right? What is it? What is the creator economy? Well, in the video, they're going to break it down for you. So I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you that. But the way the world is changing, the way we have more access, let's just look at these videos, see what they have to say about it, and get inspired about the opportunity in our hands right now because this is a once in a lifetime not even a not even a lifetime or a generation it's i don't even know this is something that we might humanity might not see for another couple hundred years so what can you do as a business owner as a content creator as a brand owner what can you do to take advantage of this moment in the digital era, in the digital economy, what can you do? Now, let's watch these videos. Let's react to it. If you don't know Colin and Samir, great YouTube channel, great content that they make over there, especially about the creator economy. Definitely go check it out. 
But let's react to these videos. What is this world of people monetizing their passions online? And for industries to grow, it's really important that the vernacular catches up, that there are terms that people can use to talk about it. And what Legion helps us do is really distinguish the passion economy from the creator economy from the gig economy. So that's what we're going to get into right now. Yeah, when, when I started writing about the space, I used the term passion economy, which I actually think is different than the creator economy. And I think the passion economy is a superset, like it's the overarching thing. Um, it's the economy in which people are monetizing their passions and their individuality. In my mind, I was thinking of things like Shopify or Etsy or OutSchool, which is this online teaching platform where you can teach a class to K through 12 kids. Business lights like that. I just want to cut that short and talk about the passion economy because this concept of the passion economy is so interesting because it's almost like if you have a big circle, right? The creator economy is just one segment of the passion economy because the passion economy just includes everybody that can make money out of their passion. The creator economy, that's a smaller segment, right? Anyone that can actually create create content, right? So that, and technically you would include, well, that's traditional, well, let's not even bring that up. I was gonna say you could include potentially people like, you know, traditional celebrities, but they don't really technically control the content that they create. And that's a key dis uh, signifier, dis distinguisher between a creator and a traditional media star. But let's keep watching. Where these people would not call themselves creators typically, um, but they were still monetizing their individuality and they were leveraging their imagination and their education and their creativity to make an income, not tied to a particular industry vertical like content or entertainment or anything like that. It spans across many, many different industries, but the commonality of all passion economy platforms is that they're enabling people to monetize individuality. Because in a way, business sells commodities. So these social media platforms want to commoditize uh, their creators. These platforms want to commoditize their talent. But the irony is that the individuality is what makes you win when it comes to sales. It's what makes you stand out. But let's think about that little nugget that I just Put in there and keep watching. The creator economy, I think, is a subset of that, which hones in on people who are creating content online, creating video content or audio content or like YouTube content or podcasts or like there's a content piece at the center of the creator economy. And I think that's why it's called creators, because you're creating mm -hmm. content. In terms of how I define the creator economy, it's the economy in which people are building influence and an audience online, primarily through social platforms. And they're creating content online and building an audience, and they're able to monetize that, that in a number of different ways. What are the differences between the gig economy and perhaps the passion economy? I think the gig economy is the opposite of the passion economy. That's for sure. The gig economy is opposite, is the opposite of the passion economy, because the gig economy, you're just there because you just pay your bills you're gonna do that job because you gotta pay your bills but passion economy that's passion 
you do that because you want to do it. So the gig economy is the economy in which people are really just doing commoditized tasks for money. So it doesn't really matter who they are, who the worker is. There's no customer loyalty. A lot of times there's no customer awareness even of who is doing the work for you. Like people probably couldn't answer who was the name of their last Uber driver or their last DoorDash driver, but you could definitely name like the last podcast that you listened to. So it's really, it's, it's the delineation is between commoditized work in the gig world where you don't really care about who the person is who's providing the service or product versus completely non-commoditized, very individual offerings in the passion economy. Is there a creator gig economy that, that, can emerge, whether it's like editors, thumbnail designers, like, is is there that world that you think could emerge? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's funny that he said that because there is one Fiverr. This video is not brought to you by Fiverr. They should sponsor me. But Fiverr is a commoditized gig place for creators. If you want to get a a poster made, you want to get a thumbnail made, you want to get an editor, you want someone to make a trailer for you. It's all on Fiverr. And you don't really care. You don't even see the people that are making your content. You see some of their, you see their portfolio, you know that they can execute, but you don't really care beyond that, right? You never really see their faces. Fiverr is a great platform for that. And I think looking at the social platforms, a lot of them do try to some degree to commoditize the creators themselves. Like even the concept of a feed is commoditizing a piece of content in a creator, right? Because if you don't create content one day, they'll slot in something else. And like, maybe that thing is just as funny or entertaining as the creator that you had liked. Um, So I think social media platforms have an interest to commoditize the content in some way. And then I think in the broader ecosystem, content creators are supported by a lot of gig workers. and, And I think we all are. So there was a time where you and I started comparing YouTube creators to Uber drivers just in here, like in conversation, talking about how. Before we go into the next point, it's so interesting how, what she said about, you know, these social platforms commoditizing their creators, because if you don't post today, someone else is gonna post and they're gonna push out that content. And it's almost like if you're stuck in that scarcity mindset, knowing that you are replaceable, right? As a creator, technically you are, because there's so many others that could be like you, right? But then there comes the question about individuality and how that makes you stand out to make you irreplaceable. Because no matter what, they have these they have another video that they talk about Casey Neistat and Emmer Chamberlain and how those guys are relationship-based creators versus idea-based creators who are probably somebody like Mr. Beast, Logan Paul, Jake Paul. Because whenever you're putting out a piece of content as a idea-based creator, it's all about the idea. Like today I'm jumping off a cliff into like a pool of sharks. I don't know. An ocean filled with sharks. That's an idea-based creator. But like a relationship-based creator is somebody that if you feel like they're your friend, And that kind of creator, they could sit in their room and they do absolutely nothing. And they're just talking to you. And it's entertaining enough. Casey Neistat is one of those people. Emma Chamberlain is one of those people. And a popular one right now is Kelly Stamps. But let's talk about this because what is so interesting about these, these platforms wanting to commoditize their creators, yes, can they do it? Yes, but they really can't. 
Because when you build that relationship with your audience, they are attached to you. Nobody, there's never going to be another Casey Neistat. There's never going to be another Ember Chamberlain. Maybe I could consume something else, but I'm still going to once in a while think, oh, what's Casey Neistat doing? I noticed that he hasn't posted for like a year. <laughs> I did notice that. But I care. I'm like, what's Casey Neistat doing? What's Emma Chamberlain doing? What's Kelly Stamps doing? Right? So when you've built that cult following like they have, your audience is always going to be devoted to you, even when you stop releasing content, when you're a relationship-based creator the way that they are. So there's still value in being that. And... That's something, that's a nugget to hold on to, but let's keep watching. As a YouTube creator, your job is to get an audience member from point A to point B. And, and what that is, is capturing their attention and allowing YouTube to serve relevant ads to that person. That's delivering for YouTube. And it's not that different than an Uber driver who has to take a passenger from a physical location of point A to another location at point B on behalf of Uber. But what we started to realize, and especially after talking to Lee Jin, is that there's actually a really strong difference between the gig economy and but the creator economy. The there are some differences, and then there are also some similarities. So the main difference between a YouTube creator and an Uber driver is that you know Uber drivers are essentially commoditized very easily. You don't necessarily care which Uber driver picks you up, which person drops off your food with Postmates. But with YouTube, you do care. They are much less commoditized. I want to get my financial advice just from Graham Stephan, or I only want to watch Yes Theory make travel videos. But when it comes to how the platforms look at creators, they actually are trying to commoditize creators because if Yes Theory stops uploading or Graham Stephan or us, they want to make sure that their audiences are still served so they can pop in someone else. So as creators, we kind of have to... Okay, I want to stop this really quickly. Because when you look at what YouTube has done, this personality, right, is what the movie industry used to do with traditional media, and they're still doing it, right? They invest all this money into Will Smith movies, into Brad Pitt movies, into Tom Cruise movies. You fall in love with Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and Will Smith. No matter when Tom, they put out a movie, in this case, when a YouTuber puts out their video, you're going to go watch it. You're going to go watch it. So technically, as much as yes, they do commoditize personalities in traditional media and in, in YouTube, they commoditize it, but they can only do it to an extent and not at the extent of what you see going on with Uber and Postmates where you actually don't care who's making your food. You don't care who's delivering your food. You don't care who's driving you. In this situation, you really care. So we kind of have to prepare for that and find a way to play into that so that it works for us as an advantage. And that's part of the second reason why I think we've been able to make more money from YouTube, the platform, over the past month than any month prior is because we've thought about that. We've taken that into account and we've started to think, how can we build trust with YouTube, the platform. Yeah, I think typically a lot of people think about building trust just with their audience, but not really thinking about how to build trust with YouTube, right? Or, or with whatever platform they're on. So that's the answer. How can you take advantage of this system that they talked about, the, these platforms trying to commoditize you as a creator? The way that you do that is that you build trust with the platform. A very new concept that people haven't really been thinking about, right? building trust with your distributor because you just look at it like a robot like it's just a piece it's a piece of software 
or in the cloud, you upload your video, you never talk to anyone on YouTube, you know, you don't know any of them, but they need you to show them that you're going to show up. And these guys are going to break this down really interestingly. So let's keep watching. Because the platform also wants to know how you operate. Like now think about the gig economy. If we're looking at this now as a commodity, content is a commodity. And, and just to keep and going, the same way that Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, they built trust with those studios because those studios trusted them and they pushed them. You see that happening in the, movie, in the music industry too. The reason why someone like Cardi B was pushed as opposed to someone else that we never heard of on that same record label is because she built trust with the labels and i'm sure when it comes down to it i did another video about billionaires i did another brand about video about billionaires and i talked about rihanna becoming a billionaire rihanna has built trust with lvmh she's built trust with the factories that are building her her brands jeffree star who's another makeup entrepreneur super rich he had to build trust with the factories that are making his makeup because you can't not everyone can get a factory to make their makeup and to distribute at the scale they need that is reliable not everyone can do that right so yes everybody can open a youtube channel but not everyone can build trust and not everyone thinks to build trust with the platform youtube so let's dig a little deeper how do you build trust with youtube then youtube wants to know that you're going to show up at the time that you said you were going to show up and wants to know that you're giving the customers a five-star experience once they realize that they'll probably start serving you more same way that an uber driver who has higher ratings and is a very trusted person for the company they will likely get more access to rides and more opportunity to monetize it's the same thing with the way YouTube operates, where once we started shifting and saying, okay, every Monday at 6 a.m. we're gonna upload. We're gonna deliver the same type of content in a similar length to the same audience. Everything changed because now the platform can kind of see and understand. We can keep slotting you in. We can trust that you'll be there. But if we miss uploads or we all of a sudden change our subject matter, they can't trust that the audience that they have been serving us to is going to continue to like what we're doing. And similar to what we talked about with Graham when we had him on the podcast, where he was saying that one bad upload or one missed day, he doesn't even want to think about because it would mess up his whole consistency and his whole... Super important. And I made another video about how uh, my YouTube channel, which recently got deleted, I made another video about how I had switched my content so much that I wasn't seeing the same engagement. And that channel, you know, had explosive growth first, and then it died down when I started changing up my content because my audience were not here for that. And YouTube stopped promoting my channel. So showing up for YouTube is not just about, it's not just about being consistent, which is very important, but it's also about providing high quality and focusing on your niche, providing the quality that your niche are there for, not changing up your content. If you, and I keep saying this, I've said this in a few videos, if you wanna change your, your niche, open a new channel. Open a new channel. Let's keep watching. All years and years of building trust with the platform and with his audience. And he is an example of a phenomenal partner 
to YouTube, someone who's built a lot of trust with them and with his audience. By the time you look at his three or four channels, he's uploading every single day, basically, to YouTube and talking about something related to financial literacy. I see YouTube as like, they're a business and I want to be a part of that business. And I, how can I help that business grow? And how can I make that business look good? And how can I be a good example for that business? And so I very much understand that like YouTube is like, I owe so much to YouTube and I want to do anything possible to help them grow as well. So I feel like if I can make good content for YouTube and feed into what they want and what they want to show and, and the message that they're trying to get out there, that's going to help me in return. And that's going to help get my message out there too. So once you've built trust with the platform, your content is going to get served a lot more. You're probably going to have more opportunities to monetize with the platform and you're going to just be in a better position to grow an audience. So a few things, which is a great point that he just kind of reiterated what they've said already. Um, but a few things that you notice about YouTube, if you make content that's about financial literacy, you make a lot of money on AdSense. On AdSense, you can make a lot of money on AdSense. And Graham Stephan has made a video where he broke it down. And we're talking about like CPMs of up to 14 to even $30 per 1,000 views. So do the math. If you have like a million views on a video, you can make a lot of money, right? So that's one thing. But another thing that people don't realize, if you make videos about YouTube and growing a YouTube channel, they'll promote that too. Because essentially YouTube's goal is to get more people on their platform. And not only to get more people on their platform, but also to get people to stay on their platform. Now, if you're making, if, you're, if your channel is dedicated to creating more YouTubers, that's more people that are going to create more content on their platform. You're, you're pretty much scouting people for them, teaching people how to make videos on their platform, which is going to increase the number of people that watch YouTube videos. They're going to promote you. <laughs> Think about the relationship here. But I'm not saying everybody should go and make a YouTube channel about making YouTube videos. As long as you are consistent and you make high quality content and you focus on your niche, YouTube will celebrate you. But let's keep going. And trust with the platform is exactly tied to trust with the audience. The reason really good Uber drivers have a five-star rating is because the audience deems that that's the rating. Because they do show up on time. They have the snacks that you want. Or maybe you don't want. Maybe you don't want to grab the snacks. I don't want snacks in an Uber. Yeah. Okay. I don't want snacks. So maybe you don't want the snacks. Yeah. But the audience likes the Uber driver. They give them the five-star rating because they're on time. The car is clean. And then Uber is able to serve that driver to more audiences. And YouTube is a very similar thing. Now where the creator economy differs from the gig economy is that once the creator does build that trust with an audience, they've actually no longer become a commodity because the audience's relationship with the creator cannot be commoditized. And that's why all of these opportunities in the creator economy have sparked up. That's why Lee Jin is raising $13 million to create tools that support the creator economy because once you do build that trust and you do gain that audience. There's so much you can do. I just want to stop right there. He just said it. He just said what I was trying to say and articulate that once you've built that following, the way Brad Pitt has built with his audience, the way Tom Cruise has built with his audience, the way Casey Neistat has built with his audience and Amber Chamberlain, once you built that, it cannot be commoditized. There's a relationship there. So as much as these platforms do want to commoditize you, they can't ultimately. As long as you provide quality, personality, and content to your audience. You can do what we did and, and sell your audience a course. You can educate them, right? You can become a merchant that sells clothing. You can start a brand. 
you can do a membership club where people actually want more content from you or exclusive content from you. And there's an industry now that actually supports that opportunity that we have a relationship with our audience. Now there's all these platforms. Like we want to create a shop. Cool. Launch it on Shopify. You want to make a course? Thinkific. Teachable, right? There's so many options to do it. So I think today, like where this industry is today is kind of this return. It's something that Lee Jin talks about, but it's a return to this pre-industrial era. Yeah. So he's made the point, look, at the end of the day, once you build that trust, you built that following, you built that call following, then you can monetize. And that, you know, you not being a commodity plays into your ability to monetize better. You being having that trust in that relationship with your audience, they'll trust you to buy things from you. So this is, I mean, they go on and this is a great video. You should, you should go check it out. But I'm going to go watch another video of theirs with Nas Daily. In my view, Nas Daily is the only guy that he's the only person making videos on Facebook back in the day. Um, but, and he he has over 30 million followers on Facebook, huge, huge, huge account, but let's watch what he has to say. We talk about this a lot with creators. We talk about value prop extensions, which means like, what is your value prop to your audience? And then what's an extension of that? And yeah. what you mentioned earlier about merchandise, like I believe that if your value prop is community, then merchandise is a fantastic extension sure. of that because I can identify other people in the community. If someone else is wearing that shirt, immediately I can be like, oh, you're a fan of, of Nas. We believe the same thing. We're a part of the same community. Right. But actually, when you look back at your videos, your value prop was education. You were teaching yeah. us about places and people that we would have not known about. And it exactly. was actually to take a step further in that, the value prop was not only education, super, but it was education okay, that would is, never be super, taught in deep, schools. Deep. Exactly. When you're thinking about how to monetize your following on social media, what is your value proposition? And that means what value does your content give to your audience? Because whatever value your content gives to your audience, that means that they will likely buy into that value from you. So he's given the idea of, of, of the example of Nas Daily giving educational content. Every time we watch the Nas Daily video, we learn something new that day. And it plays into the saying, you learn something new every day. And if you watch Nas Daily, you, you, you learn something new. So as a result of that, people trust him when it comes to education. So what does that mean? What has he done now? He's built a, 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 an education company where he has creators teaching the world. That's his value prop and he's playing into that. He, they gave another example. If your value prop is community, like Yes Theory, Yes Theory, um, what's the other guys? Full Send, Logan Paul, if you built a community, your value prop is merch or merchandise, right? Because when people recognize you, oh, you're in the low gang, you're in Logan's crew. You know, you're, you're like, it's when you see people wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Oh, you love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. People bond over that. So what is your value prop? What are you offering to your audience? And you, when you play into that, then you can know exactly what to sell to them. And so, you went to one of the top education institutes in the world. I went to film school. Very little of what I learned in school is applied today. Do you mm. think that will ever change? Does general curriculum change or is it 
is the bet that you and us are the educators of the future and that these institutions will either have to catch up, partner with us. Like, how does this, how does this play out in the education space? I spent four years at Harvard. When I was in the corporate world, I realized nothing I learned in four years was applicable to my job interview or to my day-to-day -day work. I don't think institutions, educational institutions can move fast enough. It's done. Like that company has to go bankrupt. Like it's kind of like IBM or Yahoo or whatever, done. I think it will be replaced by many, many smaller companies, many, many smaller institutions, one person universities. That's the future. I learned how to cook from Gordon Ramsay. I learned how to become a creator from Nas Daily. I learned how to code from, from, the, from the lead software engineer at Facebook. That's it. And so I think NAS Academy, we're on a mission to build 100,000 one-person universities. That's the mission. And when you have 100,000 universities in your platform, I'm using the term very loosely, obviously, you can help governments and corporations alike. We've already signed deals with the Singapore government and the Emirates government. Genius. There are a couple things about NAS Daily that really stand out and are really interesting. Um, and it's a little bit of a segue. But the fact that most creators are focused on tapping into the American market. But NAS Daily, he focused on Asia. And Asia is huge. Biggest continent in the world. Biggest population in the world. So he's getting these deals. He's not focusing on the American gov government like most people are. He's focusing on Asian governments where there is a scarcity. So everybody is trying to tap into America. Everyone is trying to tap into America and the West. That's a creator. Instead of tapping into where there is scarcity and there are fewer creators. Something to think about. Another thing is as a creator, and this is another lesson, he gets all his content translated and even dubbed. People are doing that. They get their content translated into multiple languages and dubbed into multiple languages. And they have a different YouTube channel for each language. That makes you tap into different markets around the world. So really that is actually the key in the future as a creator. It's not just focus on the English speakers, focus on the Spanish speakers. Huge industry focus on the Asian, different countries in Asia, so many different languages. Tap into different markets. Translate your content if you can. And there's so much opportunity. Let's keep going. These are their citizens. Can you give us an example of what it's like uh, when you're working with or, or someone from Singapore Airlines is coming to Nas Academy, what are they in that instance learning and what are they taking back to Singapore Airlines? They're learning from people that actually do. Do you know the term, those who cannot do teach? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always thought that was a problem at Harvard or at my high school. I believe that those who can do also teach, you know, so you can still do, but you must teach as well. So the value they're getting is they're getting actual knowledge from people that are, have proven success, not just like a content, social media content consultants. Then the second value is they're getting the latest knowledge. 
right? This is the latest situation of TikTok. This is the latest Facebook algorithm situation. I know it because I live it. And so they empower their citizens and their employees to become media companies themselves. That's the goal. Decentralized media. Bitcoin is decentralized finance. NAS Academy is decentralized creators, decentralized education. Social media is decentralized media. The future is decentralized, but governments are not decentralized. I think governments will be centralized. Everything in between will be decentralized. Financial literacy is one thing, right? Like teaching, teaching a crop of citizens about financial literacy, maybe introducing certain things to them. Media literacy and storytelling literacy and platform literacy, like why, why does that matter? Well, you know, from my experience, right, you know, countries like the Emirates, and we have those conversations with, you know, the executive office. Look, we are creating so many rules, so many laws, and we find it ineffective in, in spreading the message to everybody. We are finding it sometimes that, you know, traditional newspapers, traditional uh, websites of like the New York Times equivalent, they don't have enough distribution. And these random kids on TikTok have a lot of distribution. What if we can marry both? What if we can empower our citizens to tell our story? And this is a big problem in the Arab world because the person who tells our story is the US Western media, right? Western media is my voice. And they only care about me when there's a terrorist attack. They don't care about me when I get into Harvard. They don't care about me when I build a machine or build a corporate. New York Times doesn't care about me. And so the only reason why traditional media would care about an Arab is when there is politics involved. So for, the, for governments in the, in the Arab world, they're like, we got to change the narrative. The only way, the best way to change the narrative is not to beg Fox News and New York Times to tell our story. It's to create our own New York Times in the form of individuals to tell our wow. story that's not about the bad stuff. I absolutely love that. And I obviously emailed you and, and asked you about um, India because I have a very deep you know, connection in my family to, to creativity and, and um, the Indian community. And, and last time when I was in India, I ended up meeting up with a bunch of TikTok creators in India. And this is before you know, the pandemic and before TikTok was, was uh, shut down in India. But they were all providing for their families through TikTok. And that was something that I was was so amazing to me that yeah. just with a phone in your pocket, you could provide for your family in a country like India through your creativity. Amazing. It's interesting to think about it in terms of a global career, like a skill set that can build a career for you that transcends geography is really yes. fascinating. What is your take on, you know, the future of, of creators? Is, is our space saturated? Is it, is it too late to become a creator? Which platform should you go to? Like, what do we do uh, as, a, as a community of creators right now? I really think that we're just at 1% of what a creator is. And I also think the definition nope. of a creator will expand beyond video. Some people are just not good in front of a camera but they're really good with audio or really good with creativity. I think if you are about to become a creator now, you should be very strategic as to which platform you choose. There are some platforms that have enough supply of content and enough demand. They've reached equilibrium. There's 50,000 pieces of videos uploaded per day and 500 million viewers per day. Like that's average of 10 views per video or whatever. That's equilibrium platforms. There are platforms that don't have equilibrium right, where they have incredible demand for views, 
not enough supply for content. That is the place you want to be in. And so that's the place where I was in with Facebook, right? It was incredible demand for attention, but not enough supply of content, high quality content that's not your grandma. And that's where Nas Daily got 30 million followers. And so if you look at it now, what are the platforms that, don't, that, that have the misequilibrium? It is not YouTube. YouTube has reached equilibrium. And that's the problem with YouTube. If you want to be discovered, you need to be either on Facebook, because there's no equilibrium in that, or TikTok, or Instagram Reels. These are the three places. I'll change that and say, no, it hasn't, because there's YouTube Shorts, which has not reached equilibrium. That still have that leverage opportunity. Yeah, wow, that's that's good. I feel uh, very motivated right now to post a TikTok. So <laughs> yeah, I, the, it's working. Whatever you're doing is working. Yeah. <laughs> that, nice. But, <laughs> how do you, as a creator that starts building, like let's say you build like a just a, a niche audience, how do you monetize? What's the what's the path to monetization? If you want to monetize, you must create content that's not a commodity. Your looks is a commodity. There are 50 million highly attractive individuals in the world. If you're just one of them that just happens to make TikToks, you are easily replaceable. Now, models are a different thing, but you're incredibly replaceable if you just rely on your looks. So number one, do not rely on your looks for your content. And I can say this because I look like this. Number two, <laughs> what you need to do is find a format of content that is hard to commoditize. Ask yourself, what do I have access to that nobody else in the world has access to? For me, it was the world. I could be in Peru tomorrow because I don't have a job. Yeah, I have a nice passport. The world is my commodity, right? And that's really hard to replace. How many people can afford to go to... This is huge. Find content, an area of content that is not easy to commoditize. What do I have access to that nobody in the world has access to? and create content around that. Genius. That's the answer, that's the key to everything that we've talked about in this whole video, that's the key. Peru, Antarctica, India, and Ethiopia in the same month. That's non-commoditized content. Uh, that's why you should follow me. For you, your non-commoditized content is access. You have access to Nas Daily, to MKBHD, to, to A16Z, you have access to these creators that other people may not have that same access to. So you can be the only person that has this content. There's only one Colin, there's only one Samir. And you take Colin and Samir, there's definitely only one of you guys. No one can compete with you because there's no other Indian and a white guy on YouTube doing podcasting about creators. <laughs> that is true. That's true. And that's really it. And consistency. So to bring all the things that, we've, that has been said, bring it all together. What's the conclusion, right? No. Yes, absolutely. Platforms are trying their best to commoditize creators. Understandable. If you don't show up today, somebody else has shown up and posted. So they'll serve that content to the audience, the big pool of people on their platform. But the way that we can ensure as creators, that we are not, that we are non-commoditized, that we create non-commoditized content, is that we provide our content centers around something unique and exclusive that only we can offer, that only we know.
So when it comes down to thinking about how do you monetize as a creator? How do you create content that stands out? Because that's first. You first have to create the content that's going to stand out before you can even monetize because you have to get the trust, right? So number one, create unique content. Number two, build trust. Number three, monetize. But how do you even get to building unique content, right? You have to create something that no one else can create but you. You provide access to something, the only thing in the world. You're the only person in the world, or you're one of very few people in the world that has access to this and the ability to execute on creation. You build the trust, then you sell, you laser sharp, and you sell your value proposition. That's the key to succeed as a content creator and to monetize as a content creator. All right, so I'm gonna wrap things up. There you have it. That's the key. That's the how the world is changing. That's how the video started. I know we went in so many ways. But that's how the world has changed. It's changing, right, in terms of how content creation is changing the world. And it's giving number like so the key things are, you know, it's giving us access in the world. We now have access that we never had before. And as a content creator, even as a brand, even as a brand, using content to promote your business and your brand, it all ties in together, right? But this video is specifically for content creators, I think. But I think that brands can still take a piece, a little nugget from this. <sighs> the world is changing. Tap into the changing world. Use it to your advantage. Take notes. Watch these videos. Watch the full-length videos, these two. So you can learn the way these things are going. So this, this, that's my take on, on these two videos. A longer video than usual. Let me know if you like this format, if you like it long. Um, maybe I'll break it down in a shorter video. <laughs> Um, just to maybe I'll make a reel of this break it down for you guys to see probably will do that um, but yeah that's my take that's my twist that's my take and let me know if you have any questions do leave a comment down below and this video is brought to you by brand video pros members lab where we help influencers and brands and businesses scale their influence and sales now please go check that out link is in the description if you're watching on youtube or linkedin if you're watching on instagram link is in our bio thank you guys for watching and see you next time peace i always forget to say my name my name is kenham if you're new here my name is kenham i'm kenham kenham like denim all right see you next time peace